Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here. And what a great show we got today. Uh, again, if you listen, want to thank you for listening, liking, subscribing. It's content wherever you listen to your podcasts. So today, Jim Harbaugh finally came true. Him going to the NFL, all the rumors are true now. I get into that, the impact not only on the Chargers, but for Michigan as well, of course, being a Michigan fan. Then Panthers also hire head coach Dave Canales. I react to that. Then Brock Purdy said some things I want to get into. Eagles hire Vic Vangio as their new defensive coordinator. So now with a couple jobs off the line, there are three head coaching spots that are open. So I get into all that. Looking forward to a great show. Let's get started by reacting to Jim Harbaugh going to the Los Angeles Chargers. So last night when Adam Schefter broke the news, I was watching SportsCenter, so I got that you know, right away. He's texting and tweeting, and of course he went to the Chargers. Um, again, it was the best destination for him to go to the Super Bowl, best chance, all that. Uh, but right away, I said the Chargers are making the AFC championship game. That's what I said. And I'm standing by that prediction as well. Uh, Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, You know, not a betting man, not a betting man. I advise bets and plays, look at the line. I do all that, but I don't, you know, actually give my money out. But I do trust what I do give out, even though don't put my own money in the pool. But I do like a futures bet with the Chargers going to the AFC Championship game. Why? Because Jim Harbaugh is a winner. Let me say it again. Jim Harbaugh is a winner. You think of going back to Stanford and turning around a 1-11 program to 11-1 in winning the Orange Bowl, going 12-1. You think about the 49ers. Oh, that's right. They were 5-11. Next thing you know, they're 11 and 5, and they make the NFC Championship game and were a punt return fumble away from advancing to the Super Bowl in his first year. Second year makes a Super Bowl. Third year, another NFC Championship game. Yeah, AFC Championship game. And you look at, you know, the NFC, you know, it was back in the day, it was Eli Manning. Uh, It was, you know, Andy Reid with the Eagles. It was. Uh, Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, uh, you had good teams there in the NFC at that time. You had the Niners still. uh, Actually, no, my bad. You had the Falcons there uh, with Matt Ryan and the talented team down there. You still had the Cowboys, Tony Romo um, teams. You know, Washington had a decent team as well, RG3. Back in the day, you had the Saints, Drew Brees. So a lot of talent, and he was able to maneuver going to the championship game. You had the Seahawks. So you had those teams. Kurt Warner uh, was just done with the Cardinals. You still had a good days there with uh, Carson Palmer. So good teams. So he's going to the AFC. AFC is absolutely loaded. Uh, the coaches in that division, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Antonio Pierce. Jim Harbaugh, to me, 
is the second best coach in that division and is already a top five coach in the NFL. Uh, you look at the uh, AFC he has to go through. He has to go through Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, healthy when he gets back. The Dolphins in a great scheme that they run. Baltimore, his brother over there with Lamar Jackson. Cincinnati, Joe Burrow coming back from injury. Houston, C.J. Stroud's up and coming. Jacksonville still has Trevor Lawrence. And again, Patrick Mahomes, Denver has Sean Payton. A lot to get to, but I like Jim Harbaugh. I got faith in Jim Harbaugh because he's a fantastic coach. He came to Michigan, and again, I mentioned what he did with the 49ers and with Stanford. He came to Michigan and was close to going to the national championship in his first year. Why? Because if he would have, you know, he was, I think, lost to a touchdown opening game against Utah, and then he had the botched punt, you know, that against Michigan State, even if they lose the Utah game and they beat, uh, what's it called? Michigan State, little brother. Uh, then you're 10-1 and going into the game against Ohio State. Ohio State uh, lost to Michigan State. Uh, Michigan would have beat Michigan State, so winner of that game goes to the national, or my bad, the Big Ten title game will probably win uh, that to go to the uh, 14 playoff. So you had that, and you know Michigan didn't show up for that Ohio State game. Ohio State did because they were they still had something to play for. Uh, Michigan, you know, I think would have showed up would have showed up more if they had something to play for in that game, but they didn't. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh just wins everywhere he goes. So am I going to think he's not going to win with the Los Angeles Chargers, who has Justin Herbert, who is a solid top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And when you add this great coach, who is a far upgrade over Brandon Staley, he can't get into fringe top five, number five, I think. You know, I had him as number five going into the season last year, exited the top five due to his play and his injury this year, still in the top 10, but I think he can get back there. I think he can be in the class of the Josh Allen the Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. I think Justin Herbert can officially enter that class with Jim Harbaugh as a head coach. Uh, Quarterback whisper had his guy in J.J. McCarthy the past two years, and they were great. 27-1 total with J.J., 28-1 as a team. Just fantastic uh, for Jim Harbaugh. I think he's, again, going to go into go to the AFC Championship game. I would not be surprised if he wins the division this year. There is some speculation about Andy Reid retiring after this year. And if Andy Reid were to retire, uh, yeah, the favorite is the Chargers, I think, to win the division at that point. Even, I know Mahomes is over there. A lot of people are all into that. But coach does matter. Uh, Coach quarterback matters. And they got... One of the best right now. When I think of quarterback coach duos that are elite, I think of right now, just right now in the NFL, I think of Andy Reid and Mahomes, obviously. I think of, uh, what's it called? John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson. Those are the only two. A tier down from that, I would have the Zach Taylor, uh, Joe Burrow, and like Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay. I think Jim Harbaugh and uh, 
and Justin Herbert are in tier 1A or 1B just because they're unproven. Uh, they are in between those two tiers that I just named. Uh, this is going to be really great for football. I am looking, you know, I don't want to get lost up into all this because there's still three games my Detroit Lions are playing on Sunday, but I'm going to be rooting for the Chargers a lot this year with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach. Uh, Chargers do have some needs. Uh, you know, older roster outside of Justin Herbert. Eckler, I think you can move on from him. They do have some salary cap issues. That's why you move on from him. You can draft a running back, draft your boy Blake Corum in the second round, even Mikey Saren still because you do need cornerback, need another defensive lineman, linebacker, uh, weapon, which, you know, they have the fifth pick. So they have some needs, but they do have some draft capital as well. And if you move on from a Derwin James or either Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa, guess what? You can accumulate more draft picks and really build up. And Jim Harbaugh has an eye for that. Great on the recruiting trail. All the kids coming in this draft and the draft after this, guess what? He's going to be able to get some of those guys. Um, Chargers, watch out for them. Declared it yesterday, January 24th. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, Chargers going to the AFC Championship game, 2025 bound. I will stand on that right now. Really like it. My early prediction was Bengals. Uh, Chargers, we'll see how that plays out uh, and see if I stick with that through the remainder of the preseason when I officially make my preseason predictions. And so you have that. Looking forward to that. Again, I just want to thank and congratulate Jim Harbaugh, you know, being a Michigan fan, Michigan man. uh, He turned Michigan around. Uh, And some people, again, like to say it took longer than it should have, but Michigan was relevant and talked about every single year, which was enough for me. So I want to thank Jim Harbaugh because he did uh, something no other Michigan coach has done in this era, and that is win the outright Big Ten title three straight years, win a national championship, and of course had a 15-0 and season. No Big Ten team I think has ever done that, maybe outside of, the, I think, 1901 Minnesota. They had a historically great defense. The team was awesome. Uh, the past three years have been great. Even when he started off, though, and we're relevant again, you have to remember we had Rich Rodriguez in Brady Hoke. Uh, Rich Rodriguez had a losing record in his three years there, 15-22. Brady Hoke in his four years, 31-20, 60%. Uh, Jim Harbaugh had a 78% winning percentage. Again, before that, 41%. So Jim Harbaugh, again, is a winner. want to thank Jim. Uh, because he is the greatest Michigan coach uh, in the history of the program. Uh, no, it's a, you know, some people might uh, have some discussion about that, but he's really had, you know, a lasting impact on Michigan. And I think um, moving forward. So when I talk about, you know, great Michigan coaches, uh, yeah, people mentioned Lloyd Carr, and Lloyd Carr was great. He won five uh, champion, uh, five conference titles, won a natty. Uh, that, again, in that era was split, but I still count that. Lloyd Carr was a great coach, 122 and 40, 76% winning percentage. Jim Harbaugh was better than that. Uh, you had Boshan Beckler, 20 years. Boshan Beckler, Boshan Beckler is hard, is touted and regarded as one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football and a great college football coach. And he was 
194 and 48, winning percentage of 80%, 13 conference titles in 20 years. It was fantastic. However, he never won a national championship. That's the only blemish on his uh, thing was they had so many great years, great regular seasons, they could just never win the big game the end of the year. Jim Harbaugh was able to get the monkey off his back. Why? Because Bosham Beckler brought in the modern era of Michigan. And before that, if you want to talk about the greatest, uh, just, you know, Nick Saban numbers of the early 1900s, and that's uh, Fielding Yost. 165, 29, and 10 with 10 ties. 85% winning percentage, 10 conference titles, and 6 natties uh, in that 20-year period there. Um, That's, again, that's Nick Saban-esque right there. The original GOAT if I do say so myself, uh, fielding Yost. So Jim Harbaugh, again, has left a lasting impact on Michigan. Uh, Now Michigan now has to turn to a new head coach. And I think the only move is Sharon Moore. Uh, There was talks, or there have been talks, of if Jim Harbaugh goes, might want to get Brian Kelly. I'm not for getting Brian Kelly. Now, Brian Kelly has won some big games, but he's never won the national championship with Notre Dame. Uh, He always has great recruiting classes, uh, but to me, it doesn't get the most out of his players. is isn't the most productive uh, coach in terms of that. If you have great recruiting classes like Georgia, Alabama every year, you want to be winning national championships, and those teams have. And Brian Kelly always has great recruiting classes, but, you know... Based on the recruiting classes and talent he brings in, to me, he is, you know, he underdevelops them and he doesn't win enough as they should. Whereas Jim Harbaugh didn't always have the number one recruiting class or top two or top three or number one in the Big Ten Ohio State was, but what did Jim Harbaugh do? Uh, He developed talent in Michigan, got the most out of the four-star guys, three-star guys. That's why they were able to win this year. So when you have somebody, a close to the program for the past three years in Sharon Moore, who started off as the offensive line coach, who won the Joe Moore Award in 2021-2022. Josh Gaddis leaves after 2021. He's promoted uh, to co-offensive coordinator with Matt Weiss, still coordinates the offensive line. Another Joe Moore winning best offensive line. Great offense still. Matt Weiss gets fired due to some weird computer stuff. And it's him as the main offensive coordinator this past year. Offensive line coach. And the offense was has never been better. And he had to be the acting coach for four games due to a Harbaugh suspension. So guess what? He was, uh, you know, beat a team early in the year after. I think maybe it was Bowling Green in the last three games. At Penn State won. At Maryland won. Ohio State won. That's what I like to see. So people that mention Brian Kelly, guess what? Uh, he, you know, he beat Alabama. But he doesn't have a history winning these games. And usually, I do have some hesitancy promoting somebody from within. Why? Because I think the head coach makes a lot of people look good. But Sharon Moore had an audition for this job this year. Four games were his. And he went 4-0. Two of the biggest games at Penn State in a hostile environment. And uh, Ohio State, he won the game. Now, yes... Jim Harbaugh was able to practice with him this week, 
But in the game, you have to make the calls. He's the offensive play caller. He's got to make the calls. He's got to call the timeouts, manage, uh, do all this stuff on the fourth down. Do I go for it? Do I not? He pushed the right button on everyone. Sharon Moore, fantastic coach again. Uh, and people want to talk about, you know, his emotion on the sideline after Penn State. You know, what was that? You know, that was embarrassing. It was, are you kidding me? Obviously, those people who didn't get why Sharon Moore was emotional uh, don't really have long-lasting friendships. I'll say that. Or meaningful ones, uh, to put it best. Because Jim Harbaugh, close friend to Sharon Moore, obviously, they felt like they did something wrong and... They left the emotion out. I got emotional watching Jerome Moore after the Penn State game. You like to see that emotion. Uh, he is a man for a job. I believe I saw something. Don't know if this is true or not, but it seems to be like it since he's not officially named the head coach. He's expected to be. Is if a job has to be listed for like seven days or something like that. But if you retain Jerome Moore, you're going to retain your players. You're going to retain your recruits. Uh I think it's the only move. And again, he beat Ohio State this year. He beat Ryan Day. Uh, he has experience going into the shoe as an offensive coordinator in winning. Uh, and they've got talent. Again, they've got the best tight end in college football. Now with Brock Bowers being gone and Colston Loveland, they have, to me, the best defensive lineman in Mason Graham. They have the best cornerback in Will Johnson. And they have one of the best safeties in Rod Moore. Uh, I think they'll be able to work the transfer portal uh, and they have some recruits coming in for offensive line, which helped. They had some defensive line uh, players staying alongside Mason Graham, like Josiah Stewart. Um, if Jesse Mentor stays, obviously that's a huge plus. Running back Donovan Edwards stays. So the biggest question, of course, is the quarterback. And you had Alex Orgy sprinkle in some plays. You have Jaden Davis come in. So I think with Sharon Moore, Michigan will be in a good spot. Do I think they'll be as good or as dominant as last year? No, Jim Harbaugh's gone, but a lot of players are leaving. But I do think Michigan... You know, my expectation is it's a 12-team playoff now. Should they be one of the top 12 teams? Yes, they should. They should get into the playoff. That's my thoughts on that. I'm happy for Jim Harbaugh, but I'm still excited for the future of Michigan, rooting for Sharon Moore. So now, let's move on uh, to some more NFL coaching news. The Panthers officially made a hire. Offensive coordinator from the Bucks, Dave Canales has been hired uh, initially. Uh, you know, didn't like the move, but you have to think, you know, what did uh, the team do? How did they fare offense? You know, as the main, you know, play caller duty, Todd Bowles handles the defense. Dave Canales handled the offense. And the offense was a bottom 10 unit in the league. 313 yards per game, 224 yards, and one of the worst rushing attacks at 88 yards. In fact, the worst rushing attack. So now he goes to a team in the Panthers that has worse weapons and a worse overall team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Carolina ranked dead last in offensive numbers last year. So you coordinated a bottom 10 unit, and now he's going to the worst unit. I don't think this marriage is going to be successful. I see the fit and the get, though, because Dave Canales uh, was with Seattle, who the new GM, again, was a player was a player and the uh, personnel member in Seattle. 
So some familiarity there. Also with Dave Canales was the OC who worked, or quarterback coach who worked with Geno Smith and got him resurrected last year and won comeback player of the year and was one of the better players, uh, quarterbacks last year. This year worked with uh, Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield had one of his better years, even though the offense as a whole still wasn't great. Uh, so you take a swing on him and hope, hey, get Bryce Young going. But when you look at, you know, this, you know, quote unquote quarterback guru, the t- player had weapons. Geno Smith had Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Uh, Baker Mayfield had Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Kate Autumn. They had play makers on the outside. Carolina doesn't have those playmakers. They're going to have to spend money in draft or Dave Canales is going to get fired again. I don't like the move here. Uh, You know, again, I don't probably wouldn't have liked any move here. Uh, You know, I had a list of, uh, you know, coaching hires I wanted in the segment I'm going to do in a few minutes. Um, And I kind of had to scratch this one off the board because of uh, this one being taken. But I had Todd Monken, offensive coordinator for the um, Ravens. I think he's done a phenomenal job with Lamar, upgraded his offense this year. I thought he was a nice name. And then Mike Vrabel is a dark horse. Uh, but Dave Canales gets the most undesirable job. Weird, wacky owner, too. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see this team. I think they'll improve, uh, which, again, will be a sign of the right direction. Can you get any worse from last year? Uh, however, you need to see some movement. And, you're, again, you're going to want to see them draft, of course, no first-round pick. Spend some money in free agency. Don't love the hire. But time will tell. I also didn't love Dan Campbell at the time, and now I love a man. Next, Brock Purdy. Oh, yes, Brock Purdy talked about his playoff struggles today. Uh, he said, you know, it's a new game. doesn't matter if you played good or bad. If you move on to the next week, it's a new game, new scheme, new environment, clean slate, everything new, 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 new. You know, that's all fine. He said the right things. It's all about saying the right things. But again, the thing is, Brock Purdy is not that guy. He isn't. Uh, he played at Iowa State. And at Iowa State, he didn't play in any meaningful game or any game that I ever watched to know who Brock Purdy was. Uh, and when you see the quarterbacks now, they played in the high-level games. They did. Uh, Joe Burrow. Played him a national championship game. He knows how to win. He's played him a Super Bowl. He's done this. This man has been in big games his whole life. Uh, when I think of Lamar Jackson, uh, won the Heisman in college. Uh, didn't go to a national championship game, but had big games, big level moments in college against Deshaun Watson at Clemson, those Louisville Clemson matchups. He had big games that prepared him for moments that he's in now. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, maybe is the one outlier. But again, I remember Patrick Mahomes dueling off with Baker Mayfield at the time. And I said, Patrick Mahomes would be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, and it's proving out to be right. Just from a few games I watched against him play Baker because he was so good and he had those moments on those stages where even if it was a loss, he was balling. Brock Purdy, you look at his highlights, it's weird Carson Wentz throws behind the back, fumbles. It's not good. Tom Brady, you know, he was a low draft pick. He played in the Orange Bowl at Michigan. Big moments. These teams have had big 
moments. Uh, so if you guys like that who aren't, you know, picks like that, it's like, hey, they're in these moments that make them good. Unless you're just a physically talented player. When you think of Matthew Stafford, the arm talent is just impeccable uh, coming out of Georgia. Or Josh Allen out of Wyoming. Uh, even though he didn't have big games, it was his measurables, his traits made him a top 10 prospect of all time because he's Josh Allen, and you see that now develop. So you see things like that. Uh, And Brock Purdy, I'm supposed to believe, is that guy? No, he's not that guy, but he is just a guy. Um, He's not the most talented, but he's in the scheme that best fits him. And I know a lot of people, Debo going off on certain People within the media for saying, you know, Brock Purdy is just a guy, even though he's leading in all statistical categories. And I had this conversation uh, with my brother. Imagine flipping Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy this year. Why? Because Brock Purdy, I believe the Niners have uh, one of the most complete teams, probably behind the Ravens. And... Uh, Patrick Mahomes has to do a lot with his team outside of Travis Kelsey. So if you were to flip those two teams, uh, Patrick Mahomes in that spot, I think we said they would go undefeated and they'd be the most prolific offense of all time. And Brock Purdy goes to a team where receivers had trouble dropping the ball and stuff this year. Brock Purdy, stats drop, and Chiefs don't win the division, and maybe a fringe playoff team at best with Brock That's just the truth. Now, a lot of people can't handle the truth anymore. They can't uh, look in the mirror and say, yeah, not that guy. They always have to be him, king, all that. Brock Purdy isn't, but that's okay. He's not going to be Tom Brady. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be Josh Allen. That's okay. He is good for the system and scheme. That he's in. He plays it really good. He makes good decisions. That's a key part of quarterbacking. But let's not kid that he's got the Josh Allen arm and the Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, mobility and the Lamar Jackson scrambling and the Joe Burrow pre read, you know, stuff at the line of scrimmage. He doesn't. He can hit the guys and read in of a field of progression after the snap. Let's call it what it is here. Let's not overhype a man. Next, let's talk about the Eagles. Eagles hire Vic Vangio as their new defensive coordinator. Uh, Like the hire uh, for the Eagles because Patricia and Deshaun Desai were not the guys. Uh, And the Eagles need to fix their defense fast. Tough job for Vic Vangio. Tough, complex scheme. Uh, The, you know... Dolphins started off bad, got better, though, as the season progressed. So I was surprised to see the uh, Dolphins, um, you know, fire him, you know, the, or let him go. Javon Holland's safety for the Dolphins was actually kicking rocks, uh, literally, after this move was made. Um, I think Vic Fangio is a great defensive coordinator, has some talent there, but they have to get younger and they've hit players through the draft. But some of their players are older, you know, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox on the D-line. Darius Slay, a little older, uh, very down year. I don't know if he will resurge him in James Bradbury. As Debo did accurately say, was trash. So I think he can fix this. He needs to fix this fast, not only for his sake, 
But for Nick Sirianni and some of the players there, um, if they go out with one last hurrah, I believe Brandon Graham said this will be his last year, his farewell tour. Uh, so we'll see that this year. Now, last segment of the day. There are three remaining coaching jobs, and I give you my best fits for them. You have the Atlanta Falcons, Seattle Seahawks, and the Washington Commanders. We started with eight. Three are now left on the board. The Falcons job. Uh, you know, if initially I said Mike Vrabel, and then I immediately dismissed it. Why? Because Arthur Smith was the coach who was from a Vrabel tree. Don't really want to go back to that. And I think Bobby Slowick is the guy here. I do. I know Arthur Blink wanted a coach in there with some experience right away. And they had two interviews with Bill Belichick. And my thing is, if you really wanted him, you would have got him by now. You just don't settle for Bill Belichick. So Bobby Slowick is the offensive coordinator from the Houston Texans. And he had done a phenomenal job with C.J. Stroud this year. Uh, fantastic. This offense was really good. Devin Single, Damian Pierce is the running back. Uh, not a great offensive line. Great left tackle. Uh, good pieces, though. Uh, again, C.J. Stroud was fantastic. So Falcons in a spot to draft a quarterback. I think can draft one. Bobby Slowick um, will be able to replicate some success from Houston there who have weapons. He'll be able to give the most out of the Drake London, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson. Again, they have weapons. Need a quarterback. Decent offensive line. I think Bobby Slowick would be a home run hit for the Falcons. Then the Seahawks. So again, surprising. Pete Carroll was fired. But who's the best guy for the job? And I think it's Dan Quinn. Now I know new owner coming in and it's like, do you want somebody from the same Pete Carroll tree slash branch? And I think it's appropriate. I think Dan Quinn is his own man in his own right. Uh, he's not just a defensive coordinator that's bounced around the place. Great defense with the Dallas Cowboys. But you look at his time with the Falcons. They went to a Super Bowl. Again, they went to a Super Bowl. Defense there was good. He knows his side of the football. He entrusted Kyle Shanahan as a play caller, the main OC. So it was, you know, to me, you look at the Falcons' demise against the Patriots. Yes, Dan Quinn's a head coach. But you have to hold Kyle Shanahan accountable because it was his play calling, his design, his scheme there. You have some coaching overrule it. But I think Dan Quinn would... Keep a strong culture there in Seattle, which they have. You don't need a culture setter. You need a strong coach to keep the culture intact. Coach up the defense because it was terrible. Get an offensive coordinator and a quarterback, and you're in business. I think Dan Quinn can handle the culture. His side of a ball, handle an OC and say, hey, let's find the guy in the draft. Let's hit on him. Let's make the playoffs. They can do it. And lastly, Commanders. Uh, ben Johnson is a name that I think would have be going there. A lot of talk about Ben Johnson, a lot of smoke in that area. I think it happens. And I think it's good because Ben Johnson, excellent play caller. He's coming from a Dan Campbell tree now. And I think that helps because, hey, it makes sense. You know, uh, they have the most money, uh, great uh, play calling. He can handle over there. And they have the second pick most cap room. So they can get a quarterback, and he's a UNC guy. There's a UNC guy in the draft, Drake May. Uh, like Drake May there, if he goes there, uh, he'll, be, he'll have a very talented quarterback. He'll have an owner that is able to spend money uh, on the team, get an offense that fits Ben Johnson, and I believe he'll be able to have a ton of success there in Washington. 
So those are my three head coaches. Bobby Sloak, Falcons, Dan Quinn, Seattle, Ben Johnson, Commanders. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Till then, bye everybody.